0: Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here and moving with us and meeting with us and that throughout the week as Kirk has prepared the word that you've been talking to him and at just the right time dropping the little nuggets that he needs to bring this message together. We as your people just come as collective to say, have your way and we want to we know more of you, more of your love. So now fill Kirk up that we would receive from you and that we would see your kingdom come here this morning in your name, mm-hmm. amen. Amen. Thanks, Scott. Well, good morning, everyone. How nice was it to be able to step into a room today? that was a little less humid than outside. Fantastic. Thanks again, everyone, for your generosity and all the work that's gone into that in the background with the team that's putting that all together. Hey, uh, this morning I want to uh, commence a new series of uh, conversations that we're going to have together around... The person of the Holy Spirit. Last weekend, we opened the Bible together in Galatians chapter 3, where Paul asked the church a question, where he says, Having begun in the power and the presence and the means of the person of the Holy Spirit, having begun the journey in the person of the Holy Spirit, and realizing that God is pouring out His signs, His wonders, His provisions, His acts... Uh, in the person of the Holy Spirit and through the person of the Holy Spirit. Why? Why on earth, church, would you want to shift from living in the dynamic presence, power, and person of the Holy Spirit to somehow moving Him to stage left so that you, in your own strength, capacity, and fleshiness, seek to strong-arm God according to the story that you want. Why? Why would you begin in the Spirit? Why would you begin enjoy, enjoying the generosity of God in the power of the Spirit and then seek to exchange that for the work of your own wisdom and your own efforts? And so Paul pokes at the, at the church a great question. And so that's, how, that's where we started uh, last week. We started to ask ourselves the question, before we even commence the journey of a new year together and as, in, as, and as individuals with Jesus, as disciples, we just took time to take stock and go, how did I finish last year? Did I finish overflowing in the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit, in the character, the fruit, the giftings of the Holy Spirit, or did I finish in a place of Overwork, over exhaustion, over effort. Where did we finish up? And so this morning, we're going to continue to, to track into that question that Paul gave to the Galatians church in Galatians chapter 3. We're going to continue to dive into that for a little while over the next number of weeks. And we're going to talk about this person, the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about a life in him having a life, a daily life of um, um, engagement with the Holy Spirit and what that may look like. We're also going to talk a little bit about his character and who he is and how he moves and breathes and does what he does. And we're also going to have a look at how there's this intersect moment where the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, chooses to live in us and then through us with his gifts and what that might look like to partner with the Holy Spirit. And there'll be some wonderful stuff that'll touch our heart and our mind along the way because it'll be be character formation stuff. It'll be make me more like Jesus stuff, make me more aware of what's on your heart, God, type stuff will happen. And at the same time as we journey through this, there's going to probably be some real mechanical nuts and boltsy type stuff where to actually say yes to the person of the Holy Spirit means an engagement with him that forms new ways of behaving and living and so that'll mean choices need to be made practices need to be changed and um, and obedience gets put on the table as our as part of our journey but to um, let me just begin by um, saying, for me, the journey in getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit has been uh, one of incremental um, engagement and expansion and dynamic. It, it, start, it started very small, and um, perhaps, you know, if I was to reflect back onto my childhood some of the memories I have as a kid going to this little Methodist church in the, the western part of um, Sydney. As a kid, I went to this Methodist church and most of the time, the practices of that place was, was one where, you know, the the the, um, the preacher would wear this big black Batman cape and um, I thought that was pretty cool but at the same time, it was pretty scary and, uh, and he would he would stand in, a, in a, um, a preaching box that was kind of really elevated and high so that, you know, now the reason why I'm standing here is up on this height is so I can get a little bit of, so you can see me because I'm short, but the, the design of this little church that we went to was that the preaching box was up nice and high so that you got the message that you're being preached to, And that um, you, you knew it, you were the pointed target from the preaching pulpit, from the preaching zone. And when it came to the person of the Spirit, the activity of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, there was really only a very, in my simple understanding at that time as a kid, there was only really a few visual demonstrations of that. The first one was that um, the Bible got read out loud and there was an expectation that as they read the Bible together, the Spirit of God would awaken people to God. Um, the other one was that the preacher would preach and um, in his preaching, the Spirit was doing a work inside people. Not, you wouldn't necessarily see it on people an activity happening through people, but more deep internal conversations, and the spirit was um, often understood and practiced uh, to being um, a sense of agency to help you make a decision about whether you wanted to go to heaven or hell. That that that, that were the kind of primary sort of manifestation or works or inklings of the Holy Spirit at work. And he was at work in all of those things. But, you know, that was a very narrow understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and the practices of the Holy Spirit. Not saying that any of those were wrong at all. I love all of those those practices. But there's way, way, way more at stake here in terms of having a relationship with God through the person of the Holy Spirit and we're going to explore this together. Um, and, and as part of that, um, you know, as a, as a kid and as a young person going to church and then as a young adult, the other thing that I came up against all the time was really it was only the pastors and the elders that got to do any kind of demonstration of being engaged with the Holy Spirit. Everyone else was a spectator. Everyone else got to watch or receive through the pastor or the elders of the church. Because heaven help us if we trusted people to actually hear God and do what God's saying. That might get a little messy. That might get a little out of control. But heaven help us. And so that was, that was another thing that we kept coming up against. Uh, you know, as I was kind of growing, growing up in my faith and and, and my understanding of the life of the church probably when I was about 14 I was on this youth camp uh, it was actually up, I think it was up at Whopper Falls just up on the Sunshine Coast there uh, back of the Sunshine Coast hinterland and uh, I, I wouldn't say there was a heap of us at this camp I don't know, there might have been a dozen or so of us there but we were you know, it was Saturday night, the the guest speaker was there. He was, he was talking away. I, I got zero idea about what he said or what he was doing. I got no idea. Was, other than all of a sudden, at the end of his sharing, something happened in the room. Something shifted. An atmosphere changed. I, I, I can't quite put a handle on it or words to it other than something Happened in the room. And the fruit of what happened in the room was that all of us as young people, we found ourselves crying, falling on the floor. Some of them were speaking in tongues. Uh, Others of us were just like, oh, we got a really good look at the nature of our heart and went, oh, God, we really do need some help here. Would you forgive us? Uh, there was just this divine moment where the Spirit of God just came and there was all of these associated signs that took place. Now, in that moment, I was like undone. I had no understanding of what that might mean. After that moment, uh, it didn't necessarily change a lot of my perspectives in that moment, but for me, that was one of my first introductions to the dynamic, powerful presence of the person of the Holy Spirit. It was a personal encounter, even though it was in a corporate context. It was like, uh, there's more to you, God, than I realize. It awakened something in me for a, a bit more of God. And often, this is the nature and the work of the Spirit. He moves in such a way as to continue to interact with our lives to awaken us to the more of God for where we're living and where we're doing life right here, right now. Often, I I understood that the person of the Spirit was, was really there to try and somehow help you get to heaven and then be a good person. They were kind of the two things that I understood the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There is way, 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 way more involved in being in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Those two things are in there, but there's way more. So I'm praying that as we spend this time together over this next little while, the Holy Spirit will begin to, again, engage with each of our hearts and our lives and our minds and invite us into the more of what God has for us to experience. Um, Probably it was about 1990, I was 20 years of age, I went to a conference in Sydney. I saw John Wimber, John White, and a whole bunch of others. Um, And the whole church was there. The whole body of Christ was there. The Aussie church was there. Everything from the most conservative of conservative churches Catholic churches, Anglican churches, Pentecostal churches, this gathering of the whole body of Christ was there. There was about 5,000 people jammed into the Horton Pavilion in Sydney. And at that time, they just started to teach into the person of the Spirit and then invite the Holy Spirit to minister. And as they did that, it would often... St- we would see the Spirit come very small, very quiet, uh, and often it would be very small and quiet, but by the end of about an hour later, the place looked like someone had just dropped a love bomb on the place and there was people overwhelmed with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And in the journey of all of that, we were encouraged to learn how to walk in and with the Holy Spirit partnering with what he's doing in a moment and what that might mean. I loved that. It was a great thing. It, it stirred my heart to want more and more. And, but the real focus of why um, Wimber and the Vineyard guys in the early 90s, all across the planet, gained such favour and audience was because they were helping partner with God to make a big shift in the church. And the big shift is still on. And that shift is to equip the saints for the ministry of Jesus, to get it out of the hands of the professionals and into the lives of everyday disciples of Jesus to know how to do what Jesus does and to know what to do when you're in, you know, the car park at school and someone tells you their story and all of a sudden God tells you, hey, I want you to say this to them or I want you to pray for them in this way and how to partner with the person of the Spirit. The big shift is to see people come alive in the Holy Spirit. The atmosphere was pretty dynamic and was filled with anticipation and hunger because people were moving from being in the grandstands to on the field of life. And the clergy and the religious professionals and the pastors and the ministers, they were making the big shift themselves and they were making the shift to realise I'm the bottleneck, I need to get out of the way so Jesus and his people can do what they need to do and I can help that and I can encourage that and I can empower that and bless that. Big changes, big changes. Still today, there's a lot of parts of the church that, you know, it's all about celebrity or it's all about the anointed one. And people gather around them. The big thing I love about who we are, we work hard in the opposite direction to that very thing. We're not interested in celebrity. We're not interested in, you know, wearing the right gear or looking the right look or, you know... Somehow being appealing to that, you know, fleshy narcissistic level that there is in all of us. We're not interested in that at all. We're interested in seeing people come alive to Jesus and being equipped to do what Jesus does. Let's take a minute. We're going to watch a small little video on the screen up here. It's done by the guys on the Bible Project. You can look this up afterwards. And for those online, we won't be showing it on the screen, but for those online watching this back later, you can just go to the Bible Project, Holy Spirit, punch that into your search engine, and you will see this come on up. So, hey, Jake, let's uh, let's watch this together.
1: The Holy Spirit.
2: And you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then, above the chaos, God's Spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty.
1: Okay, but what is
2: God's Spirit? Yeah, so the Spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. (laughs) Yeah, you gotta clear your throat at the end.
1: So, what is it?
2: Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So, there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So, in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now, take a big breath. So you feel that inside you. Yeah. The air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply. That too is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, Ruach.
1: happening in history from God's point of view.
2: That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice.
1: A new type of disorder.
2: Yes, and the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others.
1: How will this new act of God's spirit happen?
2: Well, centuries pass, and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River.
1: Yeah, the sky opens up and God's
2: spirit comes and
1: rests on him like a bird.
2: This story is saying that God's spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death.
1: Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus and they eventually have him killed.
2: But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus.
1: This is the beginning of new creation.
2: Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit.
1: And soon after that, the Spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples.
2: So that they can become a part of this new creation. And share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's Spirit. And so,
1: today, the Spirit is still hovering in dark places.
2: Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the Spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity, living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving Spirit.
1: Hey, thanks for watching this video on the Holy Spirit. This is one of many videos that we make where we...
0: Thanks, Jacob. Hopefully that helps us understand just a fraction of the person of the Holy Spirit in the big story of God. The Holy Spirit didn't turn up post-Jesus. The Holy Spirit has always been there, always at work, even through Jesus and the people of Jesus and continues to bring about into our present the end of the age, even now as it's breaking in upon us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is in, an understanding of being in relationship with him is really integral to understanding you are in a relationship with someone who has been on the scene well before it all began and is someone who will still be on the scene when this part of the chapter wraps up and the new chapter opens. The Holy Spirit bringing life, bringing life. Um, I remember in the very um, early beginnings for myself, as Nicole and I, we were in 1995, we're in North Queensland pastoring in a church up there and we were with a bunch of young adults and we were starting to explore this idea of what does the person of the Holy Spirit look like? What does his activity look like? And, you know, the church that we were in at the time, some parts of the church was really encouraging of that exploration and some parts of the church were very frustrated with our exploration of the person of the Holy Spirit. Why were they frustrated? Because the power of the Spirit was shaking our life up. It was shaking up our life and our sensibilities to give way to what God wanted for our lives. And in particular, that meant, you know, Nicole and I were youth pastors there and, um, and young adult pastors. We had all these university students, and Neil was there at the time. And um, some of their lives started to get shaken up by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was starting to invest in them. Here's, here's my God agenda for your life. Do you want to follow? And they started to say yes. But that was not necessarily welcomed by parents who had you know, invested agendas in their children. No, no, no. We've got this as your future. And all of a sudden, these young adults are like, No. Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants me to live this way and I'm going to go and pursue it. And so we, were, we found ourselves in the crosshairs of people coming alive to the Spirit and following the Spirit to different parts of the country and even over the, overseas. And at the same time, we were in the crosshairs of dealing with people who, who, didn't, who wanted to still do things in the power of the flesh, doing it their way, and with their expectations. It was an uncomfortable place to live. We're still living in that uncomfortable place in our own life, in the life of um, the, the people of Jesus that we deal with all around the country and even overseas. One of the things that God is continually wanting to do is to unsettle people out of their settledness and into the dynamic presence of the power of the Holy Spirit and coming alive to God. Are you feeling a little settled? Are you feeling a little too settled? Now, it doesn't mean great big bang it's going to take place. For me, it began with a, a sore pinky finger. At a little conference I was in Tasmania, a, a sore pinky finger as I'm sitting in this crowd of people, and someone said up the front, we're gonna wait on God, and he's gonna tell us stuff that he wants to do in the room. And for me, it was a small pinky finger. I'm sitting there going, wow, my pinky finger is really sore all of a sudden. And so I just put it out there. So I said to the bloke up the front, I've got a sore pinky finger. And so he bellows into the microphone. Who's here with a sore pinky finger? I mean, like, please, give me something. Give me something more than a pinky finger, you know? But I tell you, to be able to put that out there, the first thing you've got to do is actually believe you've heard God. And the second thing you've got to do is actually humble yourself to partner with what God wants to do, not your own need for fame or celebrity. But to sacrifice all of that and be a fool for Jesus. A fool for Jesus. It's not about you and me. It's about Jesus bringing people alive to God. So I saw Becky Fingers. Anyway, sure enough, this elderly lady came down the front. And she so I off to the side with her and a few others, and we started to ask her about how she had a sore pinky finger. And um, by this point, she's crying, she's weeping. I'm like, really? It's probably just a bit of arthritis. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like, yeah, God can sort that out. Uh, but in the process of it, she started to tell us that the reason why she had this sore pinky finger and she told us that the reason why she had this sore pinky finger was because her husband had um, some form of disability, I can't even remember what it was, where he couldn't dress himself. And so for the many, many years of their married life, every day, she would have to hitch his pants up by putting her finger in the, in the hook of, her, of his trousers to lift, help dress him every day. And as a result of that, she had a sore pinky finger. And then in the middle of that, she shared about how he had recently passed away and she was incredibly unsure of his eternal well-being. So she was carrying this big grief. And even as I'd heard the Lord say, sore pinky finger, I felt in that moment my mouth was filled with words from God's heart, direct to this woman. And I just said, God wants you to know that he came into his presence and was received by Jesus. You can be at peace now. And it was, that was it. It was such a beautiful moment where God's love intersected with this woman's life, where she needed to know the well-being of her husband And God used a young bloke who was just silly enough to actually think that he'd heard God and said, sore pinky finger? Well, from sore pinky fingers onwards, there's been quite the journey of hearing the voice of God and seeing the scale of God at work through the power of the Holy Spirit. So in our next little while, my hope and my heart is that as we open the Scriptures and teach this stuff together and walk through it together and practice this stuff with each other and, in, and encourage each other about it, that we will all, whether we think it's a, oh, that's not much to bring, a sore pinky finger, or whether we think we've heard, like, God's about to move a mountain for you in your life, whatever it is, that we'll be free to bring it and we'll all get to do the works of Jesus together. I'll jump onto the next slide if I could. Thanks, Jacob. Jake. Jake. Um, so, the the little video that we just watched, we saw how the Holy Spirit was there at Jesus' baptism. We saw how the Holy Spirit was there after Jesus was raised from the dead and he was in the room at the end of John, uh, John, John's Gospel. He's in the room with his disciples and he breathes on his disciples and he says to them, "'Receive the Holy Spirit.'" We see a little bit further on in the story that in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out on people from all tribes, nations, and language groups. Joel's Old Testament prophecy is being fulfilled and Peter jumps up and says, this is that which Joel said. We see the Holy Spirit being poured out on Jewish people and they come alive to Jesus as their Messiah. And then if you go a little bit further on in Acts 10 to get to Cornelius, he's just a good Greek bloke That has some sense of, I think God's there. I'm gonna care for the poor as best as I can, and then the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, You need to go and ask for this guy, Pete, to come and visit you. So Peter comes and visits, but Peter's struggling to come and visit because Peter's a Jew and Cornelius is a Gentile. He's an outsider. Cornelius is an outsider. And then, but Pete follows the Holy Spirit because he has this dream about all of these unclean things falling from heaven. And the Holy Spirit says to Peter, Don't call unclean what I'm calling clean. There was a big invitation where it was going from just for the Jewish world to now through the Jewish world an invitation to the whole world to come into relationship with Jesus as savior of the world and that the kingdom of God the good news is here now. And as a result of that he goes to his house and Cornelius is by this time he's gathered all of his family and friends into the house. And these are all people that Peter historically is like I can't be seen with you. I'm not allowed to be seen with you. And but he, for some reason it must have been the the in encouragement of the Holy Spirit, he stays in the context, and as a result of him talking about Jesus, the Spirit falls in the room. Even before he's finished his sermon, the Spirit of God is touching people, and he's like, oh my gosh, you guys are not Jews, and the Spirit of God is falling on you. Jesus is for you too. Come into the kingdom of God. Receive the good news. It's wonderful, this progressive, ever-expanding story and activity of the Holy Spirit. He wants to touch the whole world. He wants to bring everyone and everything alive to Jesus. Where is the Holy Spirit moving and breathing in your life? What is the unsettling that you want to keep settled so your life doesn't get too interrupted by God? Where is he breathing? And then, you know, last week we touched on Galatians 3. Paul says... Did you receive the Spirit because you were behaving properly or because God was good? So if you began the journey on the basis that God is good, go back to that starting place. Forget trying to do this, figure this, work this out for yourself. Come back and receive the Holy Spirit. There's a number of scriptures that I'd love us to read, but we, we won't do that this morning, but we will just quickly reference them here. I'll go to the next slide. Um, thanks, Jake. Slide four. Um, Paul talks about how the Spirit is given in the context of the community of Jesus. Not this is Yes, the Spirit is doing this wide work all over the earth, touching people, bringing them alive to God, but he's doing it, through the people of Jesus, gathered and scattered, as they gather and scatter. He's bringing them alive to Jesus. And Paul says there's, there's agency about what he does. And, and as he's poured out through the church, it's particularly he anoints people, he people, he empowers people, so that Jesus' people might be built up. The goal is not for the celebrity to become more adored. (laughs) That's not the goal of church. (laughs) God help us. That's not the goal. The goal is that the peoples that are up here opening the scriptures, taking the time to live, model, explore, experiment, and invite people into the things of Jesus, is that the church might be built up and encouraged to be the main people that do the works of Jesus. Don't surrender your birthright in the kingdom of God to someone else who wants to be a celebrity. Don't do it. God, don't do it. Don't, don't offer it to me. Don't offer it to Nick. Don't offer it to anybody that stands in front of you. Ever. Ever. We've got to root this out of the body of Christ. We have got to root this out of the body of Christ. And the only way to root it out is for the people of Jesus to be built up and to model it and live it in such a way that the world would see, oh, I'm not trading one celebrity icon for another. I'm actually coming alive in who God has made me to be. As this person, human being filled with his spirit, alive to God, participating in the supernatural works of Jesus today. That's that's what we're on about. That's where we're going. So yes, God puts some people in front, not for the sake of being in front. He puts some people in front for the sake of building everybody else up to be able to go and be the front of the kingdom of God advancing in the world, partnering with the Holy Spirit. You getting it? getting it? Not a lot of people do. It's a narrow road. Jesus says, this, this kingdom thing, it's narrow. Not a lot of people get it. They might, they might toy around with it, but get it, as in live it. Please don't. Please don't surrender your, your God-given calling into the kingdom of God to a celebrity. What about the next one? If we quickly go to the next slide, Romans chapter uh, 12, 3 to 8, Paul again talks about how God's um, spirit is at work. um, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Jesus, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. In other words, it's this radical call to living a shared life. Don't let your pain put you in the corner either and say you're illegitimate or you're unfounded. Shut that voice off. This qualifies each and every one of us into the invitations of God. Listen to this over here. What about the next one? Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 If we can go to the next slide. Thanks, Jake. And the Spirit manifests in all sorts of different ways and activities and works and power and manifest ways and shapes. And he does it in such a beautiful way. And um, there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now... To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. (laughs) Not about to make me feel great about me. That's not what the Scripture is saying. The Spirit is given for the good of others. Partnering with Him for the sake of others. And he goes on, he talks about to one is given this gift and that gift. And he lifts all these different gifts. And then at the end, it's, it's interesting, he says there, and he distributes them, that is, the gifts, as he determines. If I was to unpack all the language that's in behind all of that and all the picture words that come with that scripture, it literally means God, when, whenever Jesus' community is together... God's spirit is at work, moving, a bit like that picture we saw on the screen before, all through the room. And he's gracing people in that moment according to what God the Father is doing to bring people alive to Jesus and build them up in their most holy faith so that they can go and share the good news of Jesus with the world that they live in. He is alive and dynamic and moving. It's literally, in the Greek, it's like God's having a dance on your head. He's like skipping through the room, having a dance. So you can't hide in a context where you invite the king to bring his kingdom. The spirit manifests for the common good. And he gets to do it as he determines. One of the other things we're going to poke at and unpack and maybe dismantle in the next little while is this whole idea of this is my gift. So therefore, I can't do that over there. That is like my gift is the... This is the one everyone rushes for at the front of the line. The gift of help's. My gift is the gift of helps. Everyone rushes to the front of the line for that. So therefore, I can't participate in gifts of healing because that's not my gift. My gift is helps. Uh, Give me a floor to sweep or serve a coffee. Yep, I can do that because that's my gifting. But gifts of healing, no, 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 no. That's them over there. They're the, they're the healing ones. No, 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 no. There's a, we're going to break that down and break that off over the next little while and come alive to the fact that he distributes them as he determines. Now, I'm not saying you can't grow in maturity in giftings. You can in the area of healing or prophecy or, or, or faith or... Or some of the supernatural manifestations of miracles, working of miracles. You, you, you can grow in that exponentially. You can mature in that, just like when you exercise your body and you lift weights, your muscles grow. You, you, you can grow in that. But just because you may have this really overdeveloped left arm muscle of healing, and your right arm, have you ever seen tennis you know, they've got one really overdeveloped arm. Well, a lot of Jesus people are like that. But what they do is they say, well, I can't play right-handed, so I can only use my left. Well, in the body of Jesus, you can use both, and you can grow and develop all, in all of these giftings as the Holy Spirit invites you in season. So I'm going to push through into the next one. Thanks, Jake. I've kind of touched on this. You know, the Vineyard is, I think, positioned beautifully in the earth by Jesus to be a people who are building these healing communities. We're not, we're not interested in building healing superstars. We're, we're, we're just not interested. I think you've kind of heard that from me today. I'm saying it for us here, but I'm also saying it for the, those that play this back from around different parts of Australia. We're not interested in building these superstars. We are interested in being healing communities and starting more and more of them along the way. Lastly, if we go on to the next slide, this, this, this is a, a really old... Um, thing that John Wimble once wrote when someone said, hey, what's the vineyard guys? What do you want about? He said, well, best way to describe it, here's our DNA. If you put our DNA under a microscope, these are the things that you would see. And the reason why I put it like this is because um, I I want you to see that there's a lot going on. We're not just super given to holy spirit activity at the exclusion of other things this is who we are we teach the bible we have a um, ministry to the poor we share our life in in many ways and at every level both personally and corporately we have a strong emphasis on healing we want to see more signs and wonders we love seeing people gather in groups we we're, we're given to equipping people to doing the works of Jesus. We love unity with the body of Christ. We love to have intimate meaningful worship. We encourage and exercise spiritual gifts and we empower people for mission, domestic and foreign. You can see there that that that's all in, of the work of the Holy Spirit. We're given to all of that. We're not in, we're not trying to narrow this thing down. We're trying to open our eyes to see that we are actually partnering with a very big dynamic activity of God. So I'm going to finish here it right now. John, at the end of his gospel, shares the account of how Jesus resurrected from the dead, by, Paul says, by the power of the Spirit. It was the power of the Spirit... That helped raise Jesus from the dead. Jesus now alive, walking around, meeting with his disciples. He meets with his disciples in this little room. And he says to them as he breathes on them, Receive the Holy Spirit. That's where we're going to start the journey. Today, receive the Holy Spirit. Let's stand and pray.